going to start right now. I'm so glad to have you with us. good huh figure out how to do all this God gave you 100,000 watts of power but it's up to you to put them to work. This is the John Adams Radio Show. Bringing you truth, justice, and the American way of making money. I'm John Adams. Seated firmly in the free enterprise chair, speaking directly into the golden EMR microphone, this is Excellence in Money Radio. Coming to you live from an undisclosed location in a bunker somewhere in the southeastern United States, perhaps Southern Command headquarters on beautiful St. Simons Island, the crown jewel of Georgia's coastal empire. Thence broadcast 23,300 miles directly into outer space. This week affiliates, SATCOM 5. Thence rebroadcast all across the fruited plain to our vast EMR network. 331 stations plus the island of Guam. That's just the way it is. I am thrilled to have you with us for this special edition of the John Adams Radio Show. Let not your hearts be troubled. We will solve your real estate problems today. That being said, we launch into another special edition of the John Adams video podcast, radio blog, whatever this thing is. I don't know, but if you have a question, type it in Q&A. If you don't see Q&A, move your cursor to the bottom and you'll see a thing that says Q&A and you can enter it right there and I will from time to time and swear questions and i am so tickled that you are here uh we're gonna we have got a huge program for today i do need to warn you that the views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the opinion of station management but they should because what we're talking about here this program makes more sense than anything else out there and that's just a fact so glad to have you along. Um, special thank you to our sponsors. 
Peter Burke over at Reliant Mortgage, our gold sponsor today. Pick up the phone, call Peter, 678-557-9759. We'll hear a little from Peter later. Bill Preston at Air American Comfort Heating, Cooling, and Air Quality. And, of course, we are also sponsored this week by the 2021 Landlord Survival Guide for Georgia. This is the solution to your property management problems, okay? And so what are some of the benefits that you would get by investing in that? And I know some of you are saying, John, I bought that back in 1995, and that has really been helpful to me. Well, I got news. Don't use the lease that I gave you in 1995. Don't use the lease that I gave you in 2015. In fact, don't use the lease I gave you last year because times have changed, laws have changed, court rulings have changed. In fact, we're going to be talking about that very thing today. We've got a apparently a rogue magistrate judge out in Douglas County. But this book and the accompanying program, which is all online now, will teach you how to advertise properly, how to get your home rented quickly and more easily, and how to rent your property for more than you might otherwise get, how to, how to keep yourself out of federal prison. Anybody want to go to federal prison? Just raise your hands. No, nobody wants to go to federal prison. Uh, and how to experience less turnover, less late rent, less complaints from your tenants, um, how you can force appreciation on a property. Now, I'm not talking about economic appreciation. I'm talking about things you do to make the property worth more, uh, how to keep your tenants happy, how to lower your expenses, how to be the property manager, not the owner. Remember, you are not the owner of the property. I know you think you are, but you're not. How to stop lawsuits from happening in the first place, how to evict deadbeats, how to go digital. And uh, Ian Robbins has really carried that to an extreme. And we're going to talk with him in the second hour today and how to use the right lease because the written lease is vitally important to your success or failure as a real estate investor because it controls it in the lack of any lacking anything else. The court will always look to the lease and say, what was the original intent of the parties here? And that's why the lease is so important. Those of you that are using the GAR lease, uh, good luck. I don't think it's the best one out there, but in fact, I think the killer lease is a lot better. But I, I mean, it's the killer lease is a lot better for the landlord and it's a lot better for the house and it's a lot better for the owner. The GAR lease is much better for the real estate agent who is collecting a fee for uh, managing the property. It's designed to protect the agent. Sorry. So use it if you want to. Uh, it's available now. The killer lease and the new landlord survival guide are available right now. Um, and if you'll go to uh, realestatecoffeebreak.com, click on resources and you can get it uh, on special this week, 197. 
Oh yeah, click on webinar offers. Now you should be asking right now, who the heck is John Adams and why should you listen to me? Well, I am thrilled to have you with us. Um, the reason you should listen to me is that I've been a property manager for a long time. I've been pretty successful at it actually. Um, I have not only that, been an investor, an entrepreneur, I've been a realtor, I've not been a realtor, and I'm now a realtor again. I've been a licensed Georgia broker since 77. You know, it's interesting to me that the public doesn't understand the difference between a realtor who is a member of the, of the union and a real estate licensee who has legal permission to transact real estate business. To them, it's all the same. I know it's it's a big deal to you. And also you have to write a check for five or 600 bucks once a year. But I'm just telling you, the public doesn't get it. So maybe that's something we ought to talk about. Um, I've had no complaints so far. I've never been arrested. I've never been bankrupt. I did write the book. The Landlord Survival Guide, we moved it online several years ago so that I can sell you and share with you a full year subscription. One of the problems we found we were having is we, I would sell somebody a copy of the book and the lease, and then the law would change. And I sort of felt obligated to let them know that what I had told them six months ago was no longer valid. Things have changed. You know, the, it's the, the only thing that's constant is change. And uh, so when we moved it online, that allowed us to constantly update our information. Also, we now have webinars just for members. It's great. Um, and you buy a one-year subscription, and that includes everything that happens during that year. It's just like a magazine. And perhaps most importantly, I am an Eagle Scout. And what that means is I am trustworthy. So let's launch right on in. I do want to remind you the truth about real estate is this. Landlords grow rich in their sleep. That was said by John Stuart Mill, a 19th century historian and economist and philosopher. Um, and it's still true today. And if you can't find a way to make money while you're sleeping, you're going to be working until the last day of your life. And so I would propose to you one way would be to buy real estate. And I personally believe in a buy and hold strategy. Now, you know, there are a lot of different strategies out there. Um, you, can, you can wholesale, you can fix and flip, you can... Um, you can buy commercial real estate. I like little houses. And I've just always had an affinity toward little houses. I actually grew up in a little house, in a modest little house. I mean, it was, the, uh, we had mom, dad, three kids, one bathroom. <laughs> That's the way things were in the night, late 1950s, early 60s. Nobody had two bathrooms. Are you kidding? At least not where I grew up. So anyway, um, I wanna talk for just a second about this strategy that you're looking at right now. Uh, this is what I call the buy and hold strategy. First, you buy a home 
at a price below market value. And last week when I talked about valuation, I got a number of uh, comments during the week that said I went over that too quickly. So I'm going to review it very briefly today and give you some explanatory information. You might want to go back and you can always get the replay of this and spend some more time in it. But um, buy a home at a price below market value. How much? How much can you get? I don't know. Renovate. Make renovations to repair or enhance the home. That may be as little as um, just painting the house, painting a few bedrooms, just freshen it up. You know, they say the ultimate um, way to freshen up a house without spending a lot is just paint the front door. So, you know, there's a lot of things you can do. You can also double the size of the house and add a new central heating and air conditioning. You know, some things are much more expensive than others. But whatever you're going to do, you're going to enhance the home or repair it if it needs repairs. You're going to be renting the home to establish cash flow and income. This is the great thing about real estate is it pays for itself. The tenant is going to buy this property for you during the period of your ownership. Okay, next. Uh, at some point, the house will be worth substantially more, and that's when you're going to call Peter Burke because it's time to refinance the home for cash to buy more property. Now, I know a lot of you are very, are being very conservative right now. Peter Burke says that the overwhelming majority of people that are refinancing are going for 15-year loans. Well, I... Uh, that's not what I would do. If I could get a hundred year fixed rate loan today, I'd take one. And it's the, these rates are simply remarkable, but I'd sure, uh, and I have gone with 30 year fixed rate programs just because they're dynamite. Um, and you pull that cash out and then number five, repeat. Find another home to buy and repeat the process. And I'm not saying do five in your first month. I'm saying do one in a year. Okay. I think that makes perfect sense. So uh, that's our program here. Here's on today's agenda. First, uh, we're going to be looking at John Schaub part one, where he talks about interest rates. Second, we're going to be, uh, we've got a very special guest who is going to talk about the new PPP2. And you're saying, what the heck is PPP2? Well, they have reinitiated the payroll protection plan, and there's money in it for self-employed individuals. And our expert is going to tell us all about it. There are new rules. This is not like, it's sort of like PPP1, which we all were interested in back in April and May, but now there's been a lot of clarification and you'll be interested when we get there and we're getting there pretty quick. So hold on. Next, uh, I am going to finally show the video I promised two, three weeks ago of the re uh, review of the um, uh, password manager LastPass. And if you want to go look at it, you can lastpass.com. But we're going to see a short video review, which I think you'll find very helpful. 
I use LastPass. I think it's a great program in terms of protecting security. And we're going to have a mortgage minute with my friend and yours, Peter Burke. And if we have time, we'll talk about abandonment under the killer lease, um, which is something that we have worked on uh, for the last six months and has now come to fruition. And finally, if we have time, we'll go look at Credit Karma, but I don't think we're going to this week. We'll take an intermission after about an hour and uh, I'll come back. And so will my evil twin, Ian Robbins will join me. And we'll talk about how to beat the CDC eviction ban because this week we got some disturbing news about what's going on in the magistrate's court out in Douglas County. And uh, this surprises me because um, I like Douglas County. They're good folks out in Douglasville. Um, and they have been kind to invite me to come out and speak from time to time. And, and they're just, you know, these are good folks out there. And I, I don't even want to get ahead of myself. Um, but we'll share that information. Uh, all right, next, what is an update on the CARES ERAP money? This is the $25 billion. And we now know more about it. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a resource today to help you track down the money in your community. It is very confusing, but I think we can help um, uh, cut through the haze a little bit, sort of wet your sights. Okay. Um, and then finally, we'll talk about what 2021 is going to look like for landlords. And I'm so glad you're here. So we need to go ahead and get started right away. And, and the way we're going to do this is um, I'm going to start with just saying to you that of all of the skills you can have as an investor, as a real estate professional, of all of the skills you can have, I think perhaps the most valuable is to figure out what it's worth. If you don't know what it's worth, you have no confidence and you won't make offers. And if you don't make offers, guess what? You're not going to buy any real estate. And so I, I just would encourage you, let's take a look real quickly at a definition of fair market value. This is from Fannie Mae. So this is the most important definition. And this is just going to take a minute, but I do want to review this because I've got some, some email this week from viewers who said, boy, you flew through that. Well, we have a limited amount of time. But market value, and by the way, they used to call it fair market value. They've decided fair has nothing to do with it. So they took it out. Definition of market value from Fannie Mae. Market value is the most probable price that a property should bring in a competitive and open market under all conditions requisite to a fair sale. The buyer and seller, each acting prudently, knowledgeably, and assuming the price is not affected by undue stimulus. Implicit in this definition is the consummation or the closing of a sale as of a specified date and the passing of title from seller to buyer under conditions whereby, and here we go, this is where the meat of the matter is. One, buyer and seller are typically motivated. 
What does that mean? That means the seller is not under duress to sell. In other words, when somebody is facing a foreclosure in 48 hours and they have no way to get the loan caught up or reinstate it or pay it off or whatever, uh, they're under tremendous pressure. And that is not really an arm's length transaction. You see what I'm saying? The person is under, under duress. Do, 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 do. Under duress. All right. So that those are not considered arm's length transactions. What, how would a buyer be motivated? Well, a buyer would want to buy, but they want to get a reasonable deal, probably want to get a good deal. I don't blame him. Number two, both parties are well-informed or well-advised and each acting in what he or she considers his or her own best interest. Okay. So if you've got a seller who is an idiot and says, well, I bought this house in 1964 for $12,000 and I'd like to sell it today for that exact amount. That's, that is idiocy, but that person is not well-informed and that person is not acting in, in, in their own best interest, even though they may think they are. See what I'm saying? Or another example would be somebody uh, who sold their house in California for a million dollars and they come to fly into uh, Hartsfield, Jackson, and get in the car and go start looking at houses and they are stunned at what a million dollars will buy in Georgia. It'll just buy a condo in New York, but in Atlanta, it'll buy a nice house. Okay. So all I'm telling you is that if somebody came down here and bought a house thinking California prices, thinking New York prices, they are not well-informed or well-advised. And advised means they're probably working with a real estate professional who will make sure they understand what's going on in this marketplace. Number three, a reasonable time is allowed for exposure in the open market. This is a very interesting uh, point because right now homes are selling so fast that there almost nobody has a reasonable time allowed for exposure in the open market. Does that mean prices should be going up faster? I'm not sure the appraisers are going to like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Appraisers occasionally um, try to put a lid on property values. It's because they're getting pushed back from Fannie and Freddie and pushed back from the lenders who don't want to see uh, skyrocketing real estate prices. I'm just telling you, but when you put a house on the market and there are 15 offers the next day, uh, I, I would not say that that's a reasonable time allowed for exposure. Okay. Number four, payment is made in terms of U cash in U.S. dollars or in terms of financial arrangements comparable. This is, you know, like if I'm selling you an option to buy the Empire State Building, which I don't own, and you're trading real estate for it, and I say the option is worth $1,000, does that mean uh, that you've just sold me your house for $1,000? No. 
Uh, that is not US dollars or Bitcoin. Somebody gets involved in Bitcoin. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so there has to be a reasonable price determination method. And the preferable method is US dollars. Today's US dollars, by the way. And the price represents the normal consideration for the property sold unaffected by special or creative financing or sales concessions granted by anyone associated with the sale. So what that means is if the seller has put in a special stipulation that says um, seller agrees to pay $50,000 in cash to buyer one year from the date of closing. Well, I would call that a concession. I would pay more for a house if I knew I was going to get $50,000 back a year from now. Why would that happen? Well, maybe the seller is a friend of mine. Maybe the seller is my godfather. Maybe the seller, I don't know, maybe they're nuts. But what they're saying here is that an appraiser is supposed to adjust their estimate of value, of market value, based on concessions that are extraordinary. It's not unusual for the seller to pay closing costs. I would argue that closing costs belong to the buyer um, because they're getting a loan, but that's arguable. My point here is that any concessions or or considerations that are far beyond the norm have to be taken into consideration by licensed appraisers today. So um, these are some of the things that you know we're looking at here. Remember, we talked about three approaches to value. You only need to worry about one, and that's the sales approach. Um, focus on the sales approach, and you can help your appraiser and boost your valuation at the same time if you'll do the appraisal for him or her. You can't be unreasonable because they're just going to throw it out and make sure you've given them some really good comps here. Make sure the appraiser gets it. And if his appraisal comes in low, you just tear it up. This is before you're at the lending stage. Okay. I'm talking about before the house ever goes on the market. And if the appraisal comes in low, tear it in half, pay the bill, say thank you very much, and call the next appraiser and repeat the above steps. Now, eventually, if you've done that five times at $500, you're out $2,500, and you'll get the idea that it's not going to appraise for any more than that. One of the interesting things is because of the methodology most appraisers use, especially in Fannie Freddie type appraisal situations, they're usually going to come out within a, a few thousand dollars of one another, typically. And I'm just telling you, I mean, you may try, you may think you can get them up $10,000 above what everybody else is, but I'm guessing it's just going to be hard to do. It certainly always has for me. So, all right. Um, so now's a good time for us to talk to John Shaw. John is, um, this is part of an interview I did with him, uh, based on an article he wrote in his newsletter that I thought was very insightful. 
Let's go right to the tape. I'll be right back. And we're back right here on the Real Estate Coffee Break. Glad to have you along this Saturday morning. I uh, want to remind everybody, our good friend John Schaub is here with us. Um, he has a real estate tips and strategies newsletter that I just enjoy. And in the January issue, uh, he has given us eight trends to look at specifically for 2021. And he's agreed to talk a little about each one um, as we as we progress through them. So, John Schaub, welcome to the Real Estate Coffee Break. Thank you, John. Always a pleasure to be with you. And I forgot to mention that you um, uh, are the author of a book that I have right here somewhere. And it's building, I can't find it now. Well, I've I got can, mine right behind me here. It's called <laughs> Building Wealth One House at a Time. <laughs> building Wealth One House at a Time. And that is that is a great formula. Um, and that's available on Amazon. In fact, everywhere except you. I've noticed you don't sell your own book. We don't. We don't. We don't handle books. We, we have a lot to do other than selling a book now and Okay. That is a best-selling right. book. Everybody who's ever bought it has written me letters. They, they, they really like it. So I encourage if, you to, to read I, it. I will, I will add to that, from my perspective, it is the definition of quality education. It gives you an overview as well as an in-depth look at the process of buying and owning uh, residential real estate. And they don't teach that in the schools. And I think they should, but but they don't. So many people come out of high school without any clue um, uh, how to have a checking account or, or what to do with a credit card. And speaking of credit cards, let's talk a little about interest rates. Here we are in 2021. We are looking at 30-year fixed-rate mortgages for people with good credit who are buying owner-occupant under 3%. Mm -hmm. and non-owner occupant, which would be a rental house, not much above that. John, is this a good time to lock in a low interest rate? I think it is. You know, I, I have encouraged people uh, not to, to fight the price so much if they can get one of these loans that gives them a 30-year fixed rate. Well, I, and I've sold a couple houses this year. You know, there, there's a, I've been in this business a long time. So what I've learned is there's a time to buy and there's a time to sell. Well, now's a great time to sell because other people can get these long-term low interest rate loans and they can literally buy a house and have payments for less than what it would cost them to rent that house. Uh, so, you know, in the price ranges that I deal in, in, in my town are about $300,000. People can buy a house from me and have, have a payment for this two or $300 a month less than what the rents are. Yeah. Well, that's a terrific time to buy. The flip side of that is if you're an investor and you're gonna hold this house for 10 or 20 years, to get a 3% or a 4% or a 5% loan, that's, that's, that's a terrific benefit to you. It, it makes that house affordable because now your payments are less than the rent, right? So the, the same math applies. If your payments are $1,500 a month and you're renting it for $2,000 a month, you, you're making a profit from day one. And that's assuming you borrow almost all of it. Uh, and you know the, the, the difference between owner-occupied loans and investor loans is, is the investor loan typically requires a larger down payment. Uh, as you know, and you've known me for a long time, I prefer not to borrow from banks. I'd rather borrow from a seller, 
but I borrow houses from sellers that have financed them for me for long term at 4% interest rate. And, and 4% is sort of the going rate right now for seller financing. Well, it, it's hard to not to make money when you can borrow money at those rates. Will interest rates go up? I'm not sure, but I, I can't believe they're going to stay this low forever. Uh, and one thing that makes interest rates go up in, in historically is inflation. Uh, you know, I'm a lender as well as a buyer of houses. So if somebody comes to me to borrow money, and if they just want to borrow for one year, my interest rates are fairly low because I get my money back soon. But if somebody wants to borrow money from me for five years or 10 years, I've got to say, okay, will we have inflation during that period of time? And if so, I have to raise my rates enough to, to pay, compensate me for that inflated dollar. You know, the dollar's going to be worth less coming in. So that's what's going to cause rates to go up eventually, I think, is we're going to have some inflation. Uh, rates will go up. Uh, you know, there will be a lot of talk about the, the government being deeper and deeper in debt. Uh, and that's just kind of a natural phenomenon. But that, that'll make people nervous. And, and the government will probably do something that, that cause rates to go up eventually. So I think this is an opportunity of a lifetime. I really do. And I'm encouraging my kids, uh, their friends, and I, the houses I've sold, I've sold to young people. Because uh, I, I really like selling to you know people in their 20s and 30s who buy their first house and, and they can afford it, and then and they're locked in for a long time. So great time. Well, to buy. I continue to say that from my perspective, owning a home is one of the best investments most Americans ever make, and and uh, I, you know I'm criticized for that sometimes. And you, you get somebody call and say, well, I bought a house and I had to sell it next year and I lost a lot of money. Well, hold on. Don't buy a house if you're not going to stay there. <laughs> but, right. but uh, how, I mean, I am just concerned when I see, and maybe the, I shouldn't be, I see the national debt at 27 ta -ta -ta trillion dollars. Nobody even knows what a trillion is. Just, should we be concerned about that? Well, the, can you do anything about it? No. <laughs> I, uh, I had some advice from a friend years ago. He says, you know, don't, don't complain to somebody who can't do something about it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I, I, I think you just have to accept it. You know, it, it, it goes up all the time and it kind of goes up and down. And, and, uh, and, and the, the, you know, they just don't like balancing the budgets. We you, know, you have to go back a ways to find a budget, balanced budget. Uh, I had a friend from California who moved here to Sarasota just recently, and, and uh, I explained to him we balanced the budget. He said, you balanced the budget? And I said, yeah, state law, we balance the budget every year. They don't do that in California, and they don't do that in Washington. No. Uh, you know, they just borrow money, and they can be very creative about it. But look at the other side of it. The government is borrowing money at 1% and 2% right now. Yeah. Uh, so, so today, they're looking smart. But the problem is when rates go up and they have to refinance some of that debt at four or five percent, uh, that, that's going to cause them to, to change the way they spend money. They either have to raise taxes or, or uh, you know, inflate. And I, I think they'll go for inflation. It just makes sense to me. Fantastic. John Schaub, you've got an event coming up April 24th right here on the Internet yes, and featuring... Uh, our good friend Peter Fortunato. Tell tell us a little about that event and why we should put it on our calendar right now. Well, Peter and I teach together once or twice a year, and he he's uh, I, I love teaching with Peter. He's the smartest guy I know in the real estate business. He's made more deals than anybody I've ever met, and uh, so I sit in the class when he's speaking, and I take pages and pages of notes. And interestingly enough, he does the same thing. We we like to hear each other talk. 
And even though we both invest in houses and we both invest in mortgages, we do it differently. So you get two seminars for the price of one. If you don't like the, uh, my approach, you'll love Peter's approach. You'll probably like them both. Uh, I've never had anybody ask for their money back, and we've been teaching together for decades. So uh, it'll be a really fun day. It, it's inexpensive because you don't have to buy a plane ticket or a hotel room. And That's right. Safe. You get to stay right at home, and and, uh, and you don't have to get dressed up. What a wonderful day, you know? <laughs> uh, so so we uh, encourage you to come. Uh, it, it's uh it's not something we do very often. It's going to be the only one we do here uh, in the next six or eight months for sure. So April, put it on your calendar. Come if you can. We'd love to have you. You can sign up on my website. Great. Well, that information is on the screen right now. And all I can tell you folks is I'm going to be there. So <laughs> uh, that, that I think says something. By the way, you pointed out painfully that you and I have been around for a long time and it's no use complaining about something you can't do. The person that told you that, John Schaub, was Mark Twain, and oh. he probably told you in person. He said, <laughs> everybody complains about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> along that's the true, same thing, John right. Schaub, thank you for visiting with us. As always, we look forward to seeing you again real soon, and we'll keep that April 24th date on the calendar. Thanks. Thanks. Wow, what great advice from John Schaub. And uh, um, I'm going to be at that event on Zoom April 24th. I just, I'm looking forward to it. So anyway, let's forge ahead and see what's coming up next here on the real estate coffee break. Nope, that's not it. All right, we are, oh, here's just some takeaways, some notes that I took. Um, during our um, conversation with John Schaub. And what he said was, uh, today you can acquire a decent house with a small down payment and have break-even cash flow from the first day. I can't tell you how many houses I bought um, where I was paying for the people to live there or, or just breaking even. Um, that's because interest rates used to be very high. And like John Schaub, I've learned to try to get the seller to carry the financing and to structure it so that I could afford it. But uh, today that is doable with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac money. And you're going to hear about that from Peter Burke when we get there. In addition, long-term fixed interest rate loans are still the norm in this country. Do you realize that in many parts of the world, there are no 30-year uh, fixed rate loans. That was put in place by our government during the Depression as a way to make it possible for people to keep their farms. That's exactly what it was. This, the 30-year fixed rate loan is a holdover from the Great Depression. And uh, it's a great way to build wealth. And we're going to, in fact, Peter's going to be talking about inflation today. Finally, if you have children or younger friends who have not yet bought a house, encourage them to be looking for an opportunity. And I know the market is, is hot right now and bargains are hard to find, but if they'll buy something now and lock in a low fixed rate, they're probably going to be very glad that they did. So, so much for that. Um, where are we next? Okay, and it's time to talk a little bit about PPP2, which is the 
Paycheck Protection Program. And uh, I'm going to um, turn things over to Her Royal Highness, uh, she who must be obeyed, Marjorie B. Adams, um, semi-retired CPA, and, and all things tax. Thank you, um, John. Can you hear me? Yes, I can Great. hear you. I'm, and I'm going to sign off while you take, you want me to stop sharing? You don't need to. I've already done it. Aha! That's beautiful. Thank okay. you. <laughs> okay. All right. We're in our second round of PPP, Payroll Protection Program. Uh, it was part of the bill that was signed at the end of last year. Um, and here's the deal. And actually, we've had somebody already comment that he's already gotten his second PPP loan. Um, and I'm having, here we go, slide two. All right. Okay, um, that you get a, you're, you might be eligible for a second draw on a PPP loan. They're calling it PPP2. If you received a first draw um, and you've used the full amount, you were qualified to get it, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and if you can demonstrate at least a 25% reduction in gross receipts between comparable quarters in 2019 and 2020. Um, this PPP2, uh, you have to, if you don't have employees, you have to have self-employment income. Uh, you are actually treated as your own employee for this purpose. Um, and they call it um, owner compensation uh, replacement, OCR, owner compensation replacement. Um, if your Schedule C net profit is over 100,000, you're limited to 100,000 anyway. Uh, but you're limited to uh, an amount based on your net Schedule C income if you don't have employees. Um, so you take your your average you figure your average monthly net profit. So you divide the total yearly amount by twelve, and then multiply it by two and a half. You can get two and a half times your average monthly net profit. Uh, if you're in the food service business, uh, it's three and a half times. So that's good. Uh, if you did not already get a first draw last year, then you may be eligible for a first draw now. Um, if you didn't receive any, any PPP funding during the first round in 2020, um, and your business was in operation before February 15th, 2020, and is still operational today, if you have 500 or fewer employees, including yourself, uh, and if you don't have any other employees, if you have net self-employment income on your Schedule C, uh, then you qualify. Um, you can apply for this first draw of PPP until March 31st, 2021. Um, and they are currently accepting first draw applications from participating lenders. There are dozens of participating lenders. Um, you might wanna start with your bank first um, because they have a lot of records on you. I mean, they have some records on you already, so it might be easier. But um, uh, like I said, uh, Boyd said he's already got his in the bank. Actually, his was a second draw, I think. Um, okay, the first draw of PPP loans um, qualify for forgiveness uh, if during the selected number of week, weeks, um, 
following the loan disbursement that you maintain uh, compensation levels, that the loan proceeds are spent on payroll costs or owner compensation replacement and other eligible expenses, and at least 60% of the proceeds have to be spent on payroll or owner compensation. So, um, and this is just a real brief overview. So there are lots more details that I'm not trying to cover. Um, but if you use the loan to pay for yourself, pay yourself in draws over the selected period, um, and I've been told you need to select 24 weeks to get the whole uh, forgiveness, um, then you, you have to apply for the forgiveness, which you, I think you have to do by the time the loan is due. Um, but for owner compensation replacement, you really ought to have a separate account to put the funds in and then make disbursements to yourself so you can show that it was owner compensation replacement. Um, unfortunately, rental property owners probably will not qualify for payroll uh, PPP uh, because it requires either self-employment income or W-2 employees. But you can qualify for other programs. There are a lot of other programs, uh, specifically uh, including the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, uh, which was part of the, uh, it, actually the rules have been changed and eased uh, under the COVID acts. And that's it, John. John. <laughs> yes, I'm right here. This is very interesting. Um, and let me just ask you a couple of quick questions. You've mentioned it might be a good idea to start at your own bank, but I have had people tell me they call their bank and their bank said, we don't know nothing about that. Well, go to the bank's website. The people answering the phones aren't going to know. The people at the branch probably don't know unless they've been specifically trained. Go to the website. You know, the website is going to have um, information. You know, banks are big businesses. They're the individual people may not know anything, but the bank would know. Um, and I've had some other people recommend a couple of other sources. Um, like I said, there are dozens. Just Google it and you'll find dozens of people wanting to wanting you to apply through them well, uh, but I've, I've heard I've, of lindio.com l-e-n-d-i-o.com um, and then nav nav.com and cabbage with a k k-a-b-b-a-g-e.com but I still think you should start by looking at your own bank's program well I just know from the comments we've received over this period that many people have been terribly frustrated um, because they couldn't get the information they needed. And I appreciate you um, pulling this together for us. And I'm going to ask you to sort of keep an eye on it. I know um, we are applying for this second round. So did you say somebody's already said they've got money? Yeah, Boyd said he's already got it in the bank. Boyd, I'm on my way over. Get the cold beer ready, okay? <laughs> um, there are also sites online that will um, help you find the right lender, but you've got to have a lot of paperwork. Um, so look oh at the qualifications. Well, I love paperwork. You know oh that. Boy. All right. Very good. If you will uh, give me back control here, sure. I will 
um, share my screen, this will stop others screen sharing. Good. Yes. So we're going to go right back over here. And uh, let me just say this before we go back into this. I would encourage you kids, if you're part of this call and we've got a big crowd today, and I know a lot of you are self-employed, a lot of you are real estate professionals. I have talked with a lot of uh, brokers and licensees um, who have gotten money in the past and are eligible for this thing. Yes, there's a lot of paperwork, but it's free. All of these things, not, I don't, I shouldn't say all because I don't know, but the one that Marjorie was just talking about is completely forgivable if you play by the rules. Okay. And that's why it's so important to know what these rules are because uh, it's easy to slip up, but at the same time, 10,000 bucks is a nice shot in the arm, you know? So, and, and trust me, if you don't, you know, wouldn't it be nice if the government had said, well, we didn't use all these funds. Let's save it to lower taxes. No, they're going to use all these funds. So you might as well get some good luck and uh, we'll, we'll forge ahead from here. Okay. And if you have a question, send me an email. I'll try to get an answer um, for you or maybe talk about it on the program. So, so much for payroll protection. Let's come over here and forge ahead. Um, Let's see. I'm going to just remind everybody, here are the five key features of residential real estate as an investment. We're not going to spend time on it today, but I think you need to memorize this and know it. And the acronym is IDEAL. And I'm not saying real estate is perfect. It's not, um, but it's pretty close. <laughs> it's as good a it's it's as good a way to to mitigate risk and leverage an investment as I think I've ever seen. So uh, I do believe you can retire comfortably on as few as ten rental units. And this gets us right back to the 2021 Landlord Survival Guide. Um, go look at webinar offers on the Real Estate Coffee Break website, and you'll learn all about it. Also, um, we are now on Apple Podcasts. I don't know why we're continuing to have problems with Spotify and Google. Margie keeps telling me that we're on and I can't find it. So uh, we're doing something wrong. I don't know, but we'll work on it. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this today. Uh, but why don't we do this? Let's go to Peter Burke before we do last pass. I think that's a good idea. Margie, would you help Peter? Yes, I'll bring him up just a second. All right. Margie had, had run off there. Um, that's me. Look, look, folks, this is my show prep. This tells me where everything is. So now watch this. Um, by the way, that's the password I use a lot. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And I'm now going to go to, watch this, four, three, enter. <laughs> Peter Burke joins us. Hello, Peter. Good morning, everybody. How are you? And how are you, John and Margie? Uh, we are well, thank you. This whole 
paycheck protection thing, you know, they could they make this any more complex? <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're describing. I mean, it's crazy, but um, I, I love this quote. John Schaub said this a couple of weeks ago on this program that inflation will always be with us. That's how government works. And, you know, it, there's a big debate as to whether it's good for the, a little bit's good for the economy or bad for the economy. I don't know. I'm no economist, but uh, I would like you to talk to us a little bit today about inflation. I see, I see somebody took a dollar here and they're pumping it up. And I feel like we're sort of pumped up today. Um, here is a definition I found as an intro to you and me talking about it. It's a quantitative estimate of the rate at which the decline in purchasing power occurs, and it can be reflected in the increase of an average price level of a basket of selected goods and services in an economy over some period of time. How's that for a mouthful? That is a mouthful. The rise in the general level of prices often expressed as a percentage means that a unit of currency effectively buys less than it did in prior periods. A so, dollar doesn't go as far. That's exactly right. So how does, how does that impact us as real estate investors? And we've got a large number of people out there right now looking at this saying, well, do we want inflation? Do we want hyperinflation? I uh, you know, I, I'm always reminded, Peter, of after World War I, the people in Germany carrying around wheelbarrows of currency because they had hyperinflation and it was almost all worthless. Do we want the dollar to get to that state? You know, it, it's a great question. I think the folks that are affected the worst with inflation are those that have income primarily from bonds uh, because their income is fixed and it's indexed to an interest rate. And um, uh, you may not be able to go as far with your monthly check as you were in past years. As for real estate, I guess it all depends. Your rent is going to increase, presumably. Um, Hopefully you locked in a low interest rate so your debt service will stay the same. Your taxes will go up. Your homeowner's insurance will go up. The guy that paints the house, uh, he'll want more, but hopefully your rent is going up and hopefully your real estate is going up in value. Meanwhile, what is happening to the balance on my mortgage going down so that's sort of a good formula isn't it yeah so what we're talking about here is um paying money back to the bank in dollars in the future that are not worth as much then as they are today correct and that's sort of a winning formula especially if you execute this plan with great due diligence and care and one step at a time. As you know, 
I tell people buy one house a year and put it in service. And then uh, hopefully it's going to be positive cash flow um, from day one and, and do that once a year. I, I, you've seen, you've seen me do that. And you've seen hundreds literally of other people do that. Is that a valid formula for building financial independence? I think it's a stable plan that makes sense over the long run. It's as long as you can stick with the plan, you will have success. Well, it's interesting to me because people got to have a place to live. Now, what does this slide say here? What is it? By the way, that is a new picture of you. Congratulations. Courtesy of JC Penny. Well, I, and, and you're wearing a suit from JCPenney, I see. I, I, 2021 is the year of no tie. Okay. <laughs> well, as you can see, I've, I've got my Johnny Cash look today. So the man in black. So what is, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Consumer Price Index, and we hear that all the time, CPI, today's prices in 2020 are 428% higher than average prices in 1974. And I would like to point out that I was dating Marjorie Adams in, I mean, Marjorie Bowman in 1974. I was in seventh grade. You were not. Oh, oh yeah. And you were 30 years old. You had to repeat it 15 times. Peter, <clears throat> The U.S. dollar experienced an average inflation of 3.68% per year. We don't typically think of that as being dangerous, and yet real estate has outpaced that. Yes. And, and how does this work with, with leverage? Oh, I love this example. In other words, $1 in 1974 is equivalent in purchasing power to $5.28 last year, which is sort of amazing. Yeah. If, if you think about it, and I went into Starbucks, I'm the only person in the world who does not care for Starbucks. Mm -hmm. It's not my cup of coffee. I, I really like um, the coffee. Yep. No, I, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to make them pay. But uh, house blend, how about that? Um, but it cost over $5 for a cup of coffee at the last time I went into Starbucks to meet somebody, and I wasn't even sure what I was ordering. And one of the questions, and, and that same cup of coffee um, in 1974 probably would have cost about a buck. If that, if that, maybe not. So um, how does leverage work with leverage and, and employing debt to acquire real estate? How does that work over a period of years? Well, there is a slide I sent to you. You may or may not have it available to put up. I thought I this was a slide. Nope, there is another slide from sent last night. Uh, and I can so give sorry. it to every listener via text if they call me. 
And it is a simple slide that lays it out in dollars that um, is fascinating. If you call or text me, I will share it with you right now. That's... But I do have a slide that talks about leverage over the course of 10 years. And it's very interesting to look at it. All right. Well, I'm going to encourage people right now to just give you a, I see your phone's ringing right now, 678-557-9759, or the easy to remember, O-S-U-J-L-R-W-S-K-Y, which stands for Ohio State University, where Peter graduated from, uh, also then John Loves Rent, and then whiskey, which is what we drink after closing, right, Peter? Or before, depending upon how challenging it was. <laughs> Peter Burke, Reliant Mortgage. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. And I'm getting your texts, and I'll send it out to you right now. Fantastic. 678-557-9759. And uh, go ahead and shoot a text to Peter, and he will send you that slide. And I apologize to everybody that I don't have it up, but whatever. Peter, thank you very Not much. I appreciate it. All thank right, you. So we have, guess what, used up, uh, and I was going to talk about all these questions, but we just are not going to have time right now. So guess what it's time for, folks? Intermission. We're going to take about a four or a five-minute break. When we come back, it's going to be the landlord hour, and we've got a lot coming up. Wait a minute. I want to show you before we get to this. Watch this. I'm going to enter two zero enter. <laughs> this is so cool. Um, we have already talked about all of this. I'm going to do the last pass. Margie, can you help me remember to do last pass? Um, just when we come back from the uh, intermission, um, I want to do last pass, and I want to talk with you about it a little bit on the air, okay? All right, and, and so that's what we're not going to get to Credit Karma today. Uh, Ian Robbins will be joining us. We're going to talk about Douglas County. We're going to talk a little more about CARES ERAP and that, and we're going to take questions. So let's do this. Watch this. Enter the number and hit enter. Wow, is that cool? We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. All right, so much for that. Whoops, got to stop this. There we go. Thanks for being with us. Um, this is the second hour of the very special edition, a Saturday edition of the Real Estate Coffee Break. We've got so much to cover, and we've already covered a lot. But um, if you have a question, put it in Q&A, um, and Ian Robbins will join me here uh, in about 15 minutes. And then he and I will also be able to do the uh, Q&A, assuming we don't run out of time which is sort of a problem. But anyway, there we are. Let's go to, we're now in hour number two. See, this is my show notes. I have show notes. So real quick, um, I've got to share my screen. Bingo, there. And we're going to start with this last pass thing, okay? And um, for years, 39, enter. Whoops, that didn't work. 
That's not right. Three, nine, enter. There. Boy, that works. I'm learning every day, folks. Okay, here's the deal. Um, one of, This was sparked by a question from one of you guys. And here was the exact uh, email I got. I can never remember my passwords. Look, for about 10 years, I used the same password for everything. Talk about stupid. And I know you think that the password you made up, it, nobody else knows what it is. But, you know, if you're using a password that's like your zip code or your phone number or your social security or even worse, 1234 or 123 password or something like that, I mean, you're just begging for somebody to bust into your stuff. And, and now maybe you don't care. That's fine. But I'm telling you, LastPass will, it's, it does, it's not perfect but it will help you solve this problem. So let's take a look over here at LastPass. And by the way, it's lastpass.com. I know there are other password managers out there. Margie used one for a while that I just, uh, you know, everybody has different things, but I, I just didn't like the one she was using. I tried. I used RoboForm, but LastPass is a lot better. Okay. RoboForm. Um, and, and you're certainly welcome to look at any password manager you want, but I like LastPass for a variety of reasons, including the fact that they are absolutely free. So let's see what we've got here. And, you know, it was Tyler Jones who told us, that the most popular password for last year was one, two, three, four. And the second most popular password was one, two, three, four password. <laughs> These, that is not a secure password. And don't put your password on a post-it note and then stick it on your desk or something. I know that it's convenient, but there are better ways to do it. So let's watch this video together, okay? My name is Paul. I'm a customer success manager at a SaaS company, and I give LastPass a four out of five rating. I use LastPass to securely log into my CRM and other platforms that I want to make sure we stay um, secure and keep everything safe so no one can steal any kind of uh, credentials from us. I also use it as a way to securely uh, share password information with other colleagues internally inside of the organization that I work for. What I love about LastPass is it's so easy to use. I get to use it on my uh, work device, my personal devices, my phone, everything. And it's extremely intuitive where you just create a username and a password and that's it. And it automatically takes all of the uh, password information I'm typing in for any new platform or website that I'm logging into. And it gives me an option to save because it has an easy to use Chrome extension that I use every single day of my life. It makes my job easier. I don't need to think about all the passwords that I have because there's like 50 of them. And it also auto, it, you can use it to auto create secure passwords where it'll use like, you know, 20 different, um, you know, letters, numbers and everything to make that password really hard to break in. And so I just love how fluid it is 
how intuitive it is. Um, the, you know, the other part that I love is, is it's two-way verification to keep things even more safe. If you just get that on your mobile app, you can instantly say, yes, this is me logging in. So I never worry about if anyone else is logging in because I'm also notified by them constantly. So the ease of use is absolutely my favorite aspect of it. The fact that it's there wherever I am is awesome. Um, and really, I, I can't live without it. So I'm a huge fan. Some things that I'm not a big fan of when it comes to LastPass is if my computer like ever just locks for a second, I instantly have to re-log into my huge password, right? Um, but the other thing that really is an inconvenience is if at any time LastPass goes down, I can't access any of my passwords. And because I use it as a portal for all my passwords, I don't memorize any of my passwords and then I'm locked out of everything. So if LastPass is ever down, I'm kind of stranded and I'm on an island and I can't fully operate in my job. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, with LastPass, they always want you to verify. They have the, the second verification on the mobile app or they make you do it on side of your email. Well, if you're ever in the chance of getting a new uh, mobile phone and then you're also not near your computer, you can't log into anything because you can't access your email because LastPass has it, but LastPass needs you to look at your email to get that secondary code inside. So you're in this like uh, problem of not being able to log into anything unless you go to a device that you are already have your email on. And then so it just, it kind of just funnels it through to where you're almost blocked from it completely. Um, I understand why they're doing it. They're trying to be safe, but there's certain times where it just really destroys any opportunity of accessing your email or any type of platform that you're logging into. Well, I can tell you how to overcome those problems. All um, right. Well, you can here. you can export from LastPass, and I do that periodically, and then sec secure that spreadsheet in a very safe location. Um, and also, I you know I I make sure I know my email password. That's I I don't want some weird password for my email. I don't want to have to use LastPass to get into my email. Um, but I love LastPass. I use it uh, as actually as a repository. I keep my software keys in it, my API keys. Um, when I buy software, all kinds of things, my credit cards and passport information and TSA information and blah, blah, blah. All right. I don't understand why my picture is not on. I'm trying I to- I see you. I see your Zoom screen. Oh, good. Um, All right. Well, in that case, that's very confusing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we do this then? I'm going to go to LastPass real quick and let everybody take a look at it. And by the way, it's LastPass.com. They claim to be the number one password manager and vault application here's what their website looks like by the way my experience and marjorie's experience is limited to um pc machines ibm style pcs 
Um, however, I know they have an Apple product as well. And if any of you has used it on Apple, I would love to hear from you. I would assume that it's very, very simple. So you have to choose between personal and business. I chose personal because it's free. Um, and just like that reviewer said, it's autopilot for all your passwords. Um, I have it and, on my phone too, and I use that. All right. So you can use it on your phone. That's great. This is what your vault looks like right here. And I don't know why this is not. Oh, your battery is running low. Okay. Never mind. Um, I'll come plug it in, in a minute. Okay. But this is what your vault looks like, although you never have to go there unless you want to. Now, you can launch from there, but it's not necessary because it will autofill for you, uh, which is what I usually do. And you can take it anywhere. All you need to do is remember one master password. And the problem is this. If you forget it, you've had it. I hadn't thought about what that guy said, that if LastPass went down, you'd be out of business, which I certainly would. Although Margie now says you can export a complete list and store it someplace safe. I don't know where that would be, but they've got 25 million people using them. That's pretty good. And uh, I just think they have come up with a solution that's remarkable. Uh, it just works. And here's what you get with free access on all devices, one-to-one -one sharing. I'm not sure what that means. Save and fill passwords. Oh, okay. Password generator. I like their password generator because you can tell it to make it a pronounceable word or to um, make it a combination of different characters and that type of thing. I don't know what secure notes is because I've never used it and multi-factor authentication uh, that you can employ that. I choose not to. So that's pretty much what we're looking at. You can uh, share an individual password with somebody else. Oh, okay. Just put their um, email address in and tell them whether they can see the password or not. Got it. Well, I'm sure that there is some reason <clears throat> why an individual would want to have a premium plan or a family plan. But as you can see, it's not very expensive. I have been with the free plan for quite some time now. So, so much for that. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you bring Ian on now? And um, I'm going to try to bring this over here and then click here. Aha, and um, I want to talk about, hello, Ian Robbins. How are you, my friend? Terrific, John. How are you? I am great today. Thank you. Um, you alerted me this week to some funny business going on in Douglas County. What in the world happened? By the way, I spent most of yesterday, not most, but sometime yesterday, trying to get hold of that sheriff who was busy all day. I even contacted the clerk of Superior Court who claimed to have no knowledge of what I was talking about. And yet, um, you talked with the sheriff. And tell me what, 
they told you? Basically, John, what we've been talking a lot about with the COVID Act and how to defeat it, what this sheriff said was, even if you get a writ of possession signed by a judge in Douglas County, if that sheriff goes over to that house and they have that piece of paper and affidavit signed, that sheriff then needs to stop in their tracks and not do the set out. Or not, not do the set out. Yeah. I can't see the broadcast here. Um, so let me make sure I've got this right based on your understanding. And by the way, neither you nor I are employees of Douglas County or the sheriff's office or the magistrate's office. So this is all based on what we have been told. Um, the magistrate judge will issue a writ of possession, which is a court order instructing the sheriff or the marshal, depending on the county, to um, protect the whoever is going to take all the stuff out of the house and set it on the street. And that is the prescribed procedure in Georgia for regaining possession of a property. Does that make sense? That is correct. Okay. And this judge, after they have issued a writ of possession to a manager or to an owner, then they go back and encourage the tenant to file a CDC declaration. And if they do that, then they've decided to, on their own, set aside the writ of possession, which is that I had the same response, John, and I asked that question several times just to make sure I'm telling our audience accurate information. And what she explained to me is they don't necessarily encourage it, but if through word of mouth, the tenant hears what's going on, they can get one of these forms. And she gave an example of how this month so far, she's had 24 cases. Eight of them, they raised their hand and she stopped. So the others went through, these eight got stopped. Unbelievable. Um, I have never, and I'm not an attorney, I'm not, I'm not giving anybody legal advice and neither are you, but I have never heard of a judge interfering with the state process of the legislative process of regaining possession of property. In fact, it strikes me as blatant interference with private property ownership. Um, it's certainly convenient for the, for the tenant who doesn't want to pay and wants to stay forever. But what I'm suggesting is this is contrary to the intent of the Georgia Landlord Tenant Act uh, whose clear intention was that if you go through, you jump through all the hoops and, and do all the stuff you have to do, if you get a writ of possession, you're going to get the property back. And Exactly. <clears throat> you are correct. And John, hold on one moment. I have a few comments, but I want to get a better screen that you taught me to do, but hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I know I can do it. I just need to, a minute here to 
All right, well, let's let's do this. While you're doing that, I'm going to talk about some other things. For oh, there you are. Look at you. Right. It's like hey, you've grown back. up. Okay. <laughs> well, well, John, here's what I would say about what you just commented on. Is first yep. of all, thank you. I want to thank you for what you've taught this this uh, community, because when I spoke with the sheriff, she also explained that. Um, for several months, there are people that literally would get a writ, have the CDC stop them. They get another writ, it would stop them. And they did it, she said, eight months in a row. I said, that's crazy. That's so, crazy. But because of what you've taught us about the Department of Justice and the guidance, I was able to explain that the CDC deals with germs, not law. And therefore, the Department of Justice has given us guidance to work with. And she did agree that, yes, now landlords in Douglas County, after this first eviction gets stopped, they file for a um, hearing. Then we talk about what you covered so well last week or two weeks ago about how you defeat it. And, it's, and then you can win. Then they will sign the writ of possession. The, the judge will sign the writ of possession. And this time it will go through. So sort of like getting, uh, we just had our Super Bowl, right? Uh, right. The touchdown, you get the touchdown and it gets called back uh, because there was a flag, but then you run another play and this time you score the touchdown and you still get your six. Well, thank goodness, because we need a touchdown here. Lord knows we've been screwed over. Well, let's go, go back to the, the screen here. If I can figure out how to do that, hmm, this is very confusing. Oh, that's part of my problem. Okay, let's see if I close the there. All right, and now I've got to share the screen, and I've lost that. Daggone it. I always lose my controls, and I don't know why. Um, control tab. I've lost my controls again. You think it's over here? No. I'm, let me get out of this and see if it's here. No. <laughs> the controls that allow me to share the screen or not. Hmm. Here, here, here. You got up. Open this. Uh, okay. Now I want to share my screen. And I'm already doing that. And I'm clicking share. Bingo. There it is. All right. So I apologize for that, folks. I have two monitors now, but I clearly need three or four. Eventually, I'll have monitors over this whole area, and it'll be sort of like an NSA monitoring center, although some of you probably aren't familiar with the fact that the NSA knows everything you think or say or do. So um, we've gotten a little bit of an update on the $25 billion, and we're going to try to give you a little bit more information um, we found out that the Georgia share actually is a little more than we thought. It's 710 million. Now, this is interesting. It is allotted to counties, 
and municipalities and to eligible relief organizations. So some of this money is coming through the counties, some is coming through some of the larger cities, and some of it is going straight to eligible uh, relief agencies like United Way. Uh, it can be used for past due and future rent and utilities for up to 12 months. In some cases that we can't figure out why it can be used up to 15 months. And the landlord actually may apply on behalf of the tenant. Now, we do have to get their signature on something. But if it's that or throw them out, I think they're going to sign. And uh, the person must be impacted by the COVID pandemic. Typically, that means they either lost their job or had a reduction in hours or something like that. This is targeted toward lower income tenants. So what that means is um, it, it, it varies by county based on the median income, but uh, each county is going to have its own uh, criteria, but this is targeted toward lower income. And again, we'll find out more as we go along. One of the things that's concerning me, Ian, is we're already beginning to hear that many of the counties, their money's run out. Goes quick. It sure does, and I can't even figure out how to get it. So the other thing that's confusing is that this rental assistance has many names. It could be the Emergency Rental Assistance Program, or often it is called CARES, uh, because it actually was originally part of the CARES Act. Um, but I have a new resource for everybody. So everybody write this down. It's And this is not a government site. This is apparently just a private individual who, like me, was very frustrated um, in, in, in his ability to locate sources of rental assistance um, and it's government, it's because it's going through government and nonprofit agencies for the most part, you just can't expect them to have a website that's going to be intuitive and easy to use and up to date. <clears throat> They're not accountable to anybody. They don't care. So this guy set one up. It's called rentassistance.us. And here's what it looks like. Um, They've got this really neat little logo up here that says rent assistance. And then you select the state. Um, and I selected Georgia here. And all of a sudden, as you'll see, they've got 39 cities down here. They've got um, 54 assistance, assistance resources. But the reality is they have many more than that. And I don't understand his ranking system, but if you click for say um, on Athens, even though it says they only have six, there may actually be 12 or, or 15 listed. And I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know why they're there, but my point is these are sources that probably have access to some um, rent relief money. And as we had talked about, one of the ways to defeat 
the CDC agency order was in fact to question the truthfulness of the tenant declaration. As part of the declaration, the tenant has to uh, affirm, which is just like swearing, that they have exhausted every possible rental assistance program. Well, I'm here to suggest to you that that's simply not possible. And if you go into court and you, and we're talking about under a dispossessory action and somebody tries to use that, CDC agency order declaration uh, to stop you from getting a dispossessory, even if it was at the suggestion of a rogue judge in Douglas County, you clearly have a right to come back and take them into court again and to challenge the veracity of their declaration. Now, John, I've got a question though. Please. So with that said, and knowing what you've taught us about, they have to do the work. Now that you see this website, this guy's done a great job. Would you talk to a tenant and tell him about this website or still stay silent? It would depend on my relationship with the tenant. As you and I have talked many times, Ian, uh, we agree that a good tenant is a valuable asset. And if I had somebody who had been with me a couple of years, had been a good tenant and had genuinely fallen on hard times, I would get them, I, I certainly would tell them about rent assistance and I would offer to help them because I'd like to keep them. Um, well, John, I, I have to respectfully disagree. And, uh, but it doesn't mean that you're not a nice person, but remember I'm the evil twin. And my concept would be that the word would be parallel. So I'm still going to go full speed ahead with getting them out if I've made that decision. Um, I'm not going to tell them about this website. I'll know if it's available. But um, the, the more I can, if, if they're, I want to win in court. So therefore, sure. if they, if I don't, if they find this, they still have to go through it. It's all about execution. If they're not going to execute and follow through and, and trying to find this money, then I need to get them out of the house. I, I, you know, it just, it's an individual situation that each investor, each property manager has to decide on a case by case basis. And you're exactly right. Once you've made the decision um, to seek a writ of possession, uh, it's up to you. Even if you get the writ, you don't have to enforce it. Um, Correct. You know, you can always go sit down with the person. They've got seven days um, uh, to to get out, and you can sit down with them and say, "Look, uh, I, this writ is good now, and it's going to be good a month from now. And if you agree to this, 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 and this, I'm just going to hold on to this writ and not." use it um so interesting we'll see but anyway i thought this was an interesting resource it's Great. not for, not from the government and it's a it's a place to start if somebody wants to help their tenants find where there might be some of this money um 
we already said, you know, what's it called? How can I find out about it? What's the process? And is it worth the hassle? Well, it may be called the Emergency Rental Assistance Program. That's ERAP. It may be called CARES Act Relief. It may just be called, I've seen it called CARES ERAP, which is really confusing. Or, or sometimes they, they, it just says something like Clayton County Assistance Program. Well, I, I, here's the correct name. Uh, <laughs> Ian, I want you to memorize that. Okay. But right. I would use this on my dispossessory and, and cite the DOJ uh, guidance and I would refer to it as the Emergency Rental Assistance ERA program established by Section 501 Division N, blah, 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 blah. Courts love that kind of stuff. So um, we've got all these sources that really don't know much. Um, but we just as a quick review, you and I have talked in the past. And by the way, special thanks to our member, Richard Blocker, who shared this with us. Um, he, he found this from Clayton County, which has more information than I've seen anywhere else. Although I have continued Ian to try to call this number. I've never yet gotten a response. Crazy. <laughs> so but, uh, I don't know. And of course this is for Clayton County residents only. And this was from, uh, several weeks ago and, they're already places are running out of funding. So my advice is to um, uh, as quick as possible, try to find out what's happening. If this is something you want to pursue, it is $710 million, but I assure you it's going to be gone before too long. Fulton County has allocated $21 million. Is that from the ERAP program? Nobody knows. It's, it's on our website, uh, the list of who got what money, um, but also DeKalb went live yesterday. All right, Margie points out that DeKalb County went live yesterday. So my advice is to go search based on, and it is confusing, and it is perplexing, and it is bewildering. Check Coffee Break. Uh, but go to realestatecoffeebreak.com under... ERAP, slash ERAP. Oh, go to realestatecoffeebreak.com forward slash E-R-A-P. And there's also a link on the homepage that will get you all this information and hopefully keep you pointed in the right direction. And so, John, um, our listeners, they'll even get that uh, link to that, that website, the rental assistance with the life preserver. Will that be available? Um, it's not there right now, but I'll ask Margie to post it. But again, it's rentalassistance.us, rentalassistance.us. And that is the most comprehensive um, listing I have been able to find anywhere. And it's interesting to me, Ian, it is not a function of any government or any... It's just a private citizen who was frustrated and decided to post it. So I ought to send him a thank you note and tell him I'm thinking about throwing out all my tenants. I'm sure I think that we should all be very careful to our listeners about scams. I could just see somebody come up with a scam in this program. 
uh, are you a down and out landlord here? Give us money. We'll help you get it. Boy, you're not kidding. You're not kidding. So, Ian, I want to talk a little bit about landlording as a business. And, you know, you and I have talked about this and how important it is. I've seen so many people approach landlording and just not take it seriously. And they figure, well, I'm a nice person. And if I just rent to nice people, everybody will be nice and I'll always get my rent. And I think that's a recipe for disaster. What do you think? I think you're right, John. And also I will tell you that reading the Landlord Survival Guide and mentally realizing that uh, if you're firm, you you just have to think of yourself as how emotional would a bank be? And they don't have very much emotion. And so you get to be a business person. I think having firmness, people understand clarity. But one of my secrets that I've overcome that, and I think will help our listeners, is the word before. I do take probably a little extra too much time, but I go over everything beforehand, give them plenty of doors to go out, but I do that for quite honestly a selfish reason because once they get it, and I think they get it in writing more than once, then I know that when I give them the key and take their money that I've taken it in good faith, good understanding. And then later on, if something comes up, I get to say nothing's changed and there's no surprises here. And that has worked for me. Everybody's going to find what works for them. My key word in one word is before. Well, I, I, I can't stress strongly enough the, how much I agree with you. The, uh, I always tell people, look, um, that I don't, excuse me. I, I tell people, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not an attorney. I can't give you legal advice. I'm not going to try to interpret this lease, but basically the most important thing in here is if you don't pay, you don't stay. And that's something I can't help you with. If you don't pay the rent, the guy that owns this property is a jerk and he is going to have a demand notice put on your door. He's going to sue you in court and he's going to get a writ of possession. And a guy with a loaded gun is going to come to your house and watch while somebody else puts all your stuff out on the street. And at that point, I won't be able to help you, but I'm the best friend you've got um, in, in this situation. The other thing I always like to, to tell um, landlords or prospective landlords is think about the Georgia Power Company. I don't know where they get their operators, but if you call Georgia Power like to report a, an outage, they have the nicest people on the phone. And I, I, the, I, maybe they train them to be really nice, but they're friendly and they're, they're cheerful and they usually have good recommendations. And, but I can tell you this, if you call and they try to give you options. So if, if you aren't paying your power bill and it gets to a point and you call them up, Um, and say, I can't afford my power bill, they're going to be very professional. They're going to be very nice to you. And they're going to offer you options. They'll say, well, we certainly can help. Would you like your power turned off tomorrow at 10 a.m. or between two and five? Well, well, and and you know, John, that it's so well said. And 
I will tell you that I've over the years of, again, I think it's a lot mental. I call it X. People have problems in their lives. You've said it rains in people's lives, and I get that. I, I like to call it X, and we won't go into detail. There's plenty of X and personal problems out there. And I've come up with three points of X. One is that X exists. Um, it just does. Second is that I um, am not going to try to um, solve their problem, okay? I have to um, under, no, I have to go forward with what I have to do. And then third, I'm just firm about it and clear, and I don't I, I give them lines to work with, and, and then I just execute. But the, again, going back to they're not surprised. Well, you've just got to, and that's great advice. And I am going to refer back right now to the immortal film classic, Casablanca, starring okay. Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman, arguably the most beautiful woman in the world. And before um, Ingrid Bergman shows up uh, to devastate Rick, um, he is approached by a young lady whose husband is losing at the bar, I mean, at the in the casino. And, and she says to him, oh, would you help us? And we're from Bulgaria and the devil has the people by the throat and uh, we must get out of here somehow. And Rick looks at the ground and says, go back to Bulgaria. <laughs> and, there you go. And, and then she says, oh, we can't possibly go back to Bulgaria. Finally, he looks at her right in the eyes and says, the whole world has problems. Maybe yours will work out. Excuse me. <laughs> and, and you know what? Even decades ago and centuries ago, people have always had problems and and we respect them. We're always kind, but we also just like Georgia Power, but um, we, we and I think it gives us a little it takes away the stress. I think if you are honest with people, um, then you could you could, you're just telling them what you feel and you're trying to, you can empathize with them, but you don't have to solve their problem. I, I agree with you. Uh, we're not in the problem solving business. We're in the real estate business. And, and the other thing I would say is, um, I know people who have failed at landlording because they were just too nice. Right. They, they could not bring themselves to do what had to be done and that's collect the rent. And my response to them is, look, when you see that your tenant, no matter how good they were in the past, something has happened in their lives. Maybe they're um, using some sort of drugs. Maybe they've become alcoholics. Maybe, I don't know. It's none of my business. But if they're not going to be able to pay the rent going forward, you're not doing them any favors trying to work something out. That's right. We have no judgments. We're not trying to work it out. We're not judging them. We, we have to be business people. And we, and we also have things to work with. Like, hey, if I can't, you don't pay me and I can't pay the bank, I lose the house. Or you've heard me say, I have to treat everybody the same. If I do something special for you, my other tenants can come on and say that they've, uh, you know, I gave special favoritism. I've created my own problem. 
That's exactly right. So, um, all right. Well, that I, I love that uh, you stress all of this at the time of the lease agreement, the time before they get the keys, they know what they're going to do. Um, we've also talked about the importance of actually collecting the rent. And, you know, different people have different ways of doing it. Um, we have started using, Margie, what is that thing? Zelle. Z-E-L-L-E. -E. Um, and, you know, it's not perfect, but the price is right. What I love about Zelle is once you've got the money, they can't stop payment and you get it typically within five or 10 minutes of the time they send it. But there's all kinds of uh, online services and some cost more than others. I heard somebody this week, Ian, talking about cozy.com um, and apparently they are, they will do free rent collection, but you don't get the money for about a week. So- That's not cozy to me, I, 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 that's <laughs> wrong word. You're right, that's not cozy. Um, and let's do this. Let's go and take some questions because, um, I think we've got a bunch here. I'm going to try to drag this over where I can see it. There we go. And so I'm going to stop sharing this and you and I should pop on the screen. Um, and there we go. And if anybody wants to see both of us in the upper right-hand corner, there's a thing called view. And if you pick gallery view, both Ian and I should appear on the screen, but that's up to you. Um, so let's look at some questions here. By the way, we have new exit music, Ian. All right. Uh, well, we'll also note already. Oh, good. Somebody did Synovus. And the process was completely online. And that's fantastic. Boyd says that. And he's already got, got money from the first round. So um, our friend Tom says that PayPal was lending first round. I would, I, all I can tell you is my experience with PayPal has been very professional and good. We use PayPal for everything. And uh, for example, when somebody buys or subscribes to the Landlord Survival Guide, uh, I want to use a service that does not cause me to have access to your credit card number. I don't want to know it. I, I don't want it in my possession because that way if, if something happens, you can't come to me and say, hey, I gave you my credit card. No, you gave it to PayPal and they protected it. And, and so, you know, I'm, it does not surprise me that PayPal is involved in this PPP funding. So that's good news. Um, Myrna says, I've been told that also. My property is not in the city of Atlanta. It's in the city of Hapeville, called several agencies with no success. Myrna, go to that rent, what is it? Rentassistance.us and see if you can't come up with some more agencies. The other thing I would do if I were you is go to Google and type in the name of your county or the name of your municipality and then put in emergency rental assistance and see what comes back. 
Um, this thing is changing on a day-by-day basis. Ian and I are trying to keep up with it, but as he discovered in um, Douglas County, there's, you know, there, things change almost every day. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of work here. So Myrna, good luck on that. And hopefully we'll uh, uh, have some better news from you here. Hans says, it's not just inflation that will increase the cost of property. It's lumber. Oh, unbelievable. Crazy the, prices. It's crazy prices. And I was reading about it yesterday, Ian. 70% of the lumber used in new construction comes out of Canada. And as soon as the pandemic hit, um, uh, U.S. Department of Commerce people contacted Canada and said, we're going to make this seamless. There's not going to be a problem because we have to have this lumber just like you do. Well, guess what? Um, Canadian concerns about social distancing and masks and everything else essentially shut down all the mills. And wow. they are just now beginning to reopen slowly. And you can imagine if you're a Home Depot or a Lowe's or a, any type of major home builder, um, there, there are not reserves of this lumber around. The builders order it as they need it because they don't want to have to store it. And right now the price is sky high. So and I did read another thing I thought was interesting, though. They said that another reason that the cost of lumber that goes into new construction is that the average house today, Ian, is substantially twice as large as it was 30 years ago. Wow. They're making and, and so, you know, I grew up, like I was talking about, in a house that had um, three tiny little bedrooms, one bath. Uh, living room, dining room, and a tiny little kitchen. And that was it. And I don't think the whole thing was more than about 1,100 square feet. Um, but if I were buying a house today, I wouldn't buy that. <laughs> well, you had I, a bathroom. And that was a good thing. I would certainly add a bath or three. Why not? So um, our, our tastes have changed as well. Um, let's see here. Sam... Sam Lee, you need to text. Uh, I'll forward this to Peter and make sure he gets it for you. Anonymous says, you might be interested in a video I saw the other day that supposedly the chicken that walked backwards. All right, I'll go look for that. Not now. Um, and she says, John, can you recommend a landlord program to track rent expenses and repairs? Ian, what was the name of that thing we had talked of, about? Avail. Avail does Avail. a good job on that. Is that .co or com? Com. Go to, Angie, go to avail.com and, and see what they have there. One of the things that Ian liked about it when he did a review was that it does um, allow you to track your rent, your expenses, your repairs. It allows the tenant to create a ticket, which 
is an official request for something to be done. And now you've documented that and that will work to your benefit in court if it ever gets there. Because you can say, Your Honor, we use this program and here's all the documentation. Here's a copy of the original request. Here's the date. Here's where we responded, blah, 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 blah. And it really, and it's free. Now you can upgrade to a higher level. And I'm, I'm you know, that's not, that would be entirely up to you, Angie. But I would encourage you to, to take a look at that. And there are a number of them out there and they're all changing their uh, tune all the time. They're, they're all trying to um, outsmart the other one and, and, and offer more stuff to get people in the door. So um, let's see. Hans says, one of the worst mistakes I've made as a landlord is to allow a relative or in-laws as my tenants. Never, never, never rent to an in-law or a relative because they, they know you're not going to put them out. Exactly. They, they, I'm sorry, this is business. And, and business and family just don't mix. And I'm... Huh? There's no way of getting around it, Hans, because you're going to have to see them again, where when you throw somebody out, you won't be seeing them again. Yeah, so well, guess what? Guess what? I had property. I'm, I'm here at Southern Command headquarters on beautiful St. Simons Island, the crown jewel of Georgia's coastal empire. I've got rental property here on the island. And in a previous life, Ian, I had given a number of houses to a local realtor to handle as property manager because she had a crew and all this other jazz and she wasn't gonna charge me much. Well, guess what? I started having problems getting the rent and I drove by the places just started looking like really bad. And I finally did some checking around and found out the tenants were all relatives of Ouch. the property manager. Oh. Boy, she had brought in her deadbeat family and then she took their side and threatened me. Crazy. And you know what? That's not an arm's length transaction. She tried to make it an arm's length transaction with you and her. And she just got too close and created a problem for you. It was a real problem. And I had to fire her and I, I threatened to, I probably should have filed a complaint with the real estate commission, but you know, I haven't got time for for foolish stuff like that. I got plenty of other things to do. And Boyd says, Zell is great. Cash app, okay, too. I'm not familiar with cash app, but the, he says it takes five days. So, you know, there are, the big thing I like about Zell is that once the tenant, it'll, they'll, They'll pull from any bank account, any savings account. Once it's set up, the tenant can pay you and you've got that money typically in five to 10 minutes and it, they can't uh, reverse the check. They can't say it's in the mail. Either you got it or you didn't. And once you get it, the bank will not give it back to them. You know so, what, John, too? I, I think Zell is designed by banks. I think banks legally, of course, with the government watching what you're doing, 
I can't give you the number, but from what I can tell, the banks all got together as a team to, to be able to move money between themselves. And the reason I know that when I go to my bank, they, they only give me that option as the way to move money. These other apps are, I'm sure are fine, but to me, it's almost like the bank approved and therefore it goes a lot faster. That's yeah. why this yeah. all makes sense. And, and the only complaint that I have heard from landlords is that some banks, and this varies from bank to bank, which uh, supports your theory, is that some banks have a limit, uh, a daily limit on the amount that they will allow to transfer. So let's say your rent is $1,400 a month. If they have a limit of like $900 per day, they'd have to pay you two days in a row or something like that. But uh, nonetheless, it, it certainly is fast. It is irreversible. And um, you need to bank. You, as the payee, I think, need to bank with a bank that offers Zelle. As far Absolutely. as your tenant is concerned, they can be with any bank or, or any other financial institution. So um, that works out. Well, guess what, Ian? It's one o'clock. Done a great job there, John. Thank another, you for all you Another week in the can here on the Real Estate Coffee Break. We got through all of the questions there. I'm going to try now to get to or get back to. Um, let's see if this works. Did that work? Oh, yeah. This is great. Treat so, it like a business. I'm sorry? Treat it like a business, everybody. Absolutely treat it like a business. Let's go to slide 88. Hmm. 88. There it is. And folks, guess what? That's the 30 Mark IV. I'm going to go ahead and start this. Hey, that's a 30 Mark IV. The... Real Estate Coffee Break, and on behalf of Ian Robbins, I'm John Adams, reminding you, your financial future is not a matter of chance, it's a matter of choice. Make your choice a good one. So long, everybody.